1: Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet.
0: It's pretty incredible. In fact, it's la marvelous.
2: Thank you, guys. All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Tuesday, April 14th, coming at you guys with a little bit of a Tuesday episode. Uh, My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz on my screen.
0: We are on each other's screens, looking at each other. We both have very similar beardage right now. I think we're like at similar levels of growth. Which we both
2: we both cut ours at the same time.
0: Yes, very true. It's it's kind of like how you know they say that women's you know menstrual cycle syncs up like Wi-Fi. Jake and I are on menstrual beard cycles together. So that's mustache for me. It looks blonde on here, but this thing is is thick business for me personally right now.
2: That's the note we're starting on. Love to see it. Menstrual cycles.
0: Um, yeah, you, Men's bearded menstrual cycles. It's a thing.
2: Yeah, you have been all over the mustache game. But uh, yeah, we've got a really, the reason we delayed this one out to a Tuesday is because we have a tremendous interview with uh, Matt Waldman of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio and Football Guys. Uh, Matt was one of our absolute best guests that we've ever had on back in the fall, talking a little bit of Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's also very dialed into the draft. So we wanted to get him to hop on here with us and give us some takes. And uh, boy, did he deliver.
0: Absolutely. He's a fun one, has the best radio voice as well. So it's just easy listening. Matt definitely sounds like he could. It's very know.
2: soothing. Like I was telling you offline that I'm I'm getting over a little bit of a long weekend after Easter and uh, just hearing that, it just put me at ease, man.
0: It's very Zen. He, he sounds like he could host, you know, a late night classic rock radio station. Like, I mean, even the Bay, he kind of reminds me of some of the guys on the Bay. Uh, Two for Tuesday, This is
2: Matt Waldman.
0: Yeah, he he really kills it. Great radio voice. But Matt, you know, what we say towards the end, Matt is a guy who very much continu- uh, puts himself as a film guy. That's that's all he does. He loves film sessions. He loves grinding the tape. And he doesn't like to participate in groupthink. And that ends up, you know, getting into this whole sphere of, you know, kind of uh, stubbornness about certain prospects or I can't think of the word that I want to use. Like-mindedness, something of the sort, about prospects and kind of their limitations and putting them in the box. And for instance, we discussed Jake Fromm, who you guys know that we're like kind of a little bit weirdly high on. Um, and and Matt ends up kind of mentioning Drew Brees, and I forgot to slip it in there. But um, Fromm, I think, would be a great situation if you know, let's say, the Saints could pick him if he ends up falling. No one else is in love with him to the third round. And well, you are forgetting
2: uh, that uh, Taysom Hill is the second coming of Christ. Shout out to Easter
0: literally basically Taysom Hill is like rising from the pits, uh, from the cave to propel the saints after Drew Brees retires. He has risen. And Taysom Hill has risen, but yeah, so we get into some guys getting some prospects, asking him some fun questions and of course get into, you know, Raven centric stuff, what he thinks will fit and, uh, some good fits there as well. So fun interview with Matt. It's always fun. Good perspectives from him. Um, uh, but yeah, and then we got into on Twitter a little bit, Vaz, Jake and I just for fun, uh, you know, I see Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks do it, so I thought it'd be fun if we just kind of make a Twitter thread and go through and do a mock draft. And uh, it took us a little bit over a day, which I actually liked it that way. I thought it was fun and uh, continued on and and kind of see, you know, what we ended up doing through the second round. So we. Just kind of did a standard draft going through. I started with the first pick, and then Vaz after me, Jake after Vaz. Uh, going back and forth and, and getting through some players. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, But what have you been watching before we get in? We're, we're big into the TV. What have you been watching, Jake?
2: Hmm. So I redid Inglorious Bastards after Matt was tweeting a little bit about it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I rewatched that. What else have I been watching? Hmm. Yeah, I'm still into that Formula One thing. I've got to finish that. Um, as far as like movies, I did I mention I rewatched Jackie Brown? No, you did not. So I had never seen it all the way. I think
0: I've only seen it like once, and I was like ten years old.
2: I never saw it all the way through. Um, watched it, really, really enjoyed it. Um, not really much of a great Tarantino movie for me. Um, but I'm a big fan of Elmore Leonard, who is the author who wrote the book that it was based on. That um. Tarantino is friends with so I see that more as like an Elmore Leonard story slash movie than a Tarantino but still very good and uh worth a worth a check out if you haven't seen it because it's one of the I would say lesser known among casual Tarantino or like movie fans it's one of the lesser known really good ones
0: yeah for sure I've, I haven't really seen that one um I saw it at le- it had to be at least over 10 years ago uh, I re- oh yeah I, I, I rewatched.
2: uh I rewatched Superbad last night
0: that's what it was Superbad uh, of course all-time classic Uh, My favorite individual line from that movie is McLovin when he's like, yeah, I told her what time it was. And then it cuts to the hallway scene and he's walking behind. I can't remember the girl's name, but the girl is dressed appealingly. And she turns around and he just goes, looks at his watch and goes, "Uh, uh,
1: it's it's, uh, it's
0: 1033. And then turns around and just walks away.
2: It's just like this wide open hallway that they're the only two people in McLovin. Great character. I wonder what happened to that actor
0: that line and then uh you're gonna you're gonna leave me to eat lunch by myself like i'm steven fucking glansberg yeah people still that one was people big, that is such a group
2: that is such a go-to yeah like high school college quote like you're gonna let me eat by myself like steven fucking glansberg poor steven glansberg also uh the people don't forget greg um when like dave franco was yep. like, pissing his pants shout out to dave franco for being that movie um And then like when Jonah Hill, like after that scene, he's running off the, uh, the field and he kicks the soccer ball and the guy's like, you're getting that. He's like, no, I'm not. He just keeps running like awkwardly, (laughs) like young pudgy Jonah Hill. It's the best
0: Jonah Hill in that. And then Jonah Hill in grandma's boy are my favorite Jonah Hills. Yeah, those are,
2: those are two really good ones. Grandma's boy. God, I got to watch that again, but I probably have to get, uh, exceptionally high before
0: I did. So the grandma's boy is fantastic. The scene where, I can't even remember the actor's name, Adam Sandler's boy. It isn't Adam Sandler. What is a Happy Madison Productions film? The scene where he takes the baking sheet that has like a banana on it and a bunch of other stupid shit out of the oven and just tries to get like a 350 degree pan with his hands and flips out is hilarious. Then when he kicks Jonah Hill in the shin – and Jonah Hill's like, oh, my God, I think he shattered it. I think he fucking shattered it. That one tickles me. And then when Nick Swordson, this was like Nick Swordson's prime. Nick Swordson does Dance Dance Revolution. And the kids all challenge Nick Swordson to do different bat- little game battles in the break rooms and stuff. And Nick Swartzen just destroys Dance Dance Revolution in the funniest way possible. And he's oh, brother's like, oh, high score? What does that mean? Did I break it? What does high score mean? That's uh, that's my favorite line.
2: Yeah. The uh, the like early 2000s, like stupid fucking comedy that really needs to come back. Like I saw a tweet the other day. I forget exactly what the context was, but it basically made the point that there hasn't been a funny movie made in like the last decade. I kind of agree, unfortunately.
0: I think I do, too. I think I do, too. I watched Parasite the other night which I had no idea what genre of movie it was. It's supposed to be like a
2: black comedy, right? I haven't
0: watched it yet. Yes, yes. It's a black comedy thriller by what it's listed as. And it it, it wasn't like, you know, hilarious, but definitely funny. Like Coen Brothers. I liked it a lot. Funny, kind of. Interesting storyline, good storyline. You don't exactly see where it's going for the first like five minutes. And then once you're 15 minutes and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be fantastic. And it's pretty good. I don't think it, I don't know. I I think it's good. It was a good movie. Um, then been watching Vanderpump Rules on Bravo TV. I think we already discussed that yeah, whole thing. Hey, Big Bravo boy. Jeez. I'm obsessed with it. I I didn't mean to, but I've been quarantined up and other people watching it, and I'm in. I've been watching seasons of it. It is entertaining. It is entertaining. And, yeah, that uh,
2: was uh that whole Bravo storyline that you were rolling out about your family. That was. Well received. Uh, shout out to listener Eric, who's a, a good friend of mine. We played a socially distant round of golf the other day, and he was uh fair. He was thoroughly uh, happy with that. He really enjoyed it.
0: There you go, Eric. I'm glad, glad you enjoyed my strange family background. Um, which now that same aunt that owned those clubs and my mom have just been going completely nuts on Facebook. Just classic parents on Facebook. I don't know what else to say, but they've uh, they've been going at it there. But yeah, so I definitely want to watch the Formula One thing but I still have to finish Vanderpump Rules, and I can't stop. I watch it every single night. I
2: yeah, what stop. I like about the Formula One thing is that it's digestible. The episodes are only like 35 minutes or so. Like I feel like mm-hmm. every show is so like up its own ass these days where it's like, oh, we need to have an hour. It's like, well, no, sometimes shorter is a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I just can't start Ozark Season 3. I've tried to watch the first episode twice. does not keep my attention. Loved the first two seasons. That hasn't kept my attention. I'm sure it's great. Everyone says it's great. Uh, <laughs> my mom what? is
2: uh big into Ozark right now and she's this like straight laced, like Irish Catholic lady. So like whenever I walk through, she'll like turn it down or like pause it and like pretend to like ask me something. I'm like, mom, like she
0: thinks it's dirty. She yeah. thinks she's watching something dirty. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's all good. That's awesome.
2: But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's movie talk unless you got any, anything else you want to throw out there.
0: Nope, that's all. Vanderpump Rules is ruling my life, literally. So, yeah, let's let's move into the mock draft. Um, we're not going to, you know, go through every single pick, but I'm just kind of thumbing through. Obviously, you know, we did Burrow, we did Chase Young to start. I wanted to start uh, with
2: you going Andrew Thomas at four to the Giants.
0: Andrew Thomas is just my left tackle one. I, Whenever I'm watching an edge rusher, when I'm watching Chase on, when I'm watching all these different edge rushers, Aquara, Uh, He just has dominant, dominant, dominant reps and was such a mauler in the run game, and I'm just comfortable trotting him out there. Uh, I I think he's somewhat similar to Laramie Tunsil stylistically. Uh, I get Jedrick Wills. I get um, Werfs. I get all the other ones, but just just for me, I don't know what it is. I just love the balance that he plays with, the amount of edge rushers that he – uh, gets his feet really far behind him, gets his shoulders over him, but maintains balance. A lot of edge rushers end up with their face in the dirt, their face mask in the grass, um, when they're when they really try to speed rush him. And I enjoy that. The athletic rushers don't get the best of him at all. And I believe that uh, he's he's definitely starting off against the bull rush. so I, I feel like he's just solidly around there. He's been, you know, we end up getting into it with Matt about kind of the guys who, have been consensus top guys, Delpit, Epinesa. uh, We mentioned Fromm a couple years ago after, you know, Fromm's incredible performance his freshman year. You know, they're like, oh, that guy's going to be a number one pick. And I think Andrew Thomas is in that same category where uh, he he kind of – he's just not new and shiny anymore. He's not, you know, flashy. Mackay Becton's really flashy. You
2: want to peak at the right time as a prospect, and he has not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think he was awful by any means. But, yeah, I think that was a fun one. Then Matt says he pretty much will give it a little spoiler, but he says Tua is like guaranteed to go early, but I don't know, man, I am hearing some interesting things about how his hip surgery that he had was you're hearing. Yes. Little
2: spenny scoops here. What's going on?
0: It's, it's just stuff floating around on Twitter and, and, and on sports center and whatever. But I, I don't know. I am a little concerned because the surgery that he had, and then I ended up going down some black dark hole at like two o'clock in the morning on this. He had like a, post-traumatic hip surgery not like an athletic I don't know how to. it was the PITA thing I think right yes and so I just don't love the pro I think we had it it was on here we asked the question if you could draft Tua and he gives you what Andrew Luck gave you and has to walk away would you take him yes I would still take him Um, but I definitely think there's a lot of reason to be concerned there I don't love Justin Herbert. I've seen some stats on him in the past couple of days. Voss took him at five to the Dolphins instead, and then you ended up taking two at six. Herbert th- apparently threw 29% of his completions were screen passes, um, and he had some other sh- he missed, at, or excuse me, 19% of his targets five yards or greater were inaccurate, which was worse than Jordan Love or any of the other major guys. So some troubling stats there. Um, I just have, I haven't, gotten too deep into the quarterbacks just obviously where I'm always a little more Raven centric and so I'm not terribly interested whereas I was a couple years ago Um, but this quarterback class is going to be really weird other than Joe Burrow so interesting to see how it played out there with uh, Vaz going Herbert and then you getting to it but I agreed with you you said you know put him behind Tyrod
2: yeah pretty much moving on interesting one you brought up Isaiah Simmons being a fit in Cleveland with Matt and that is the pick you made here uh, we also had then Javon Kinlaw going to the Raiders at 12. I like
0: that pairing. I like that I like that pick you made there. Yeah,
2: absolutely. That was a good one. And then you have Tristan Worfs Wirf, winding up with the Bucks, which I think would be great for them. And uh, rounding out top 15, Jerry Judy winding up with the Broncos.
0: Jerry Judy, the, a lot of Broncos fans want rugs really badly. I think it's because they just don't think they're going to get Judy. Yeah. And I, th- I think I've kind of said, you know, I think Judy is the one of those three guys that could slip a little. And I think that would be a really fun fit with Sutton and with Locke, so I like that one a lot. The next one I hate. I hate the next one, which is a pick that I made: Chase on Falcons. And I made that one. We were trying to do more of like a what we would just do if we were the GM or the owner, whatever you want to call it. And I hate Chase on to the Falcons because all the Falcons do is draft speedy edge rusher, rushers. Yeah, and they never fucking pan out. And I mean, Chase on's down there at LSU, not too far off from Atlanta. Uh, New Orleans to Atlanta and the little SEC territory. So, I mean, Dan Quinn just loves that. I didn't know what else to do there. Uh, I really think you ended up taking Epines at 18. I would rather take a power guy because how many times, I mean, how many times can you swing and miss on these speed rushers before you kind of like, all right, let's, let's take someone who's a little more stout.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Right after that, you had Hammer and Hank going to the Cowboys at 17, which Voss mentions it's a luxury pick, but I do uh, as somebody who loves the spectacle of the Cowboys, I love the idea of Henry Ruggs there. You mentioned Epinesa, um going at eight. This is
0: a, this is a Cowboys like positive podcast. I think I, think I we, yeah I love the Cowboys. We just enjoy them. I enjoy the Cowboys. They're
2: fun. yeah, it's just so funny. Like the whole Jerry experience, it, it's just the best. And the fact that Garrett was just there forever is like the third son. And Skip is in the mix. It's just, it's the best.
0: Exactly, and just waiting to see. I mean, plus the stories of what Jerry Jones does, drinking Johnny Walker on his little tour bus or whatever. <laughs> the Jara uh, bus. Yeah, then I really, li- I really like what I did with Delpit. I like pairing him with uh, Jonathan Abram, and I think that makes a freaking awesome one-two safety punch. And uh, they got On Conley, and then we have Kinlaw there, and then they got Max Crosby. So give them a linebacker later. I don't know if we did or didn't, but at some point they'll get one. I like that one a lot. Uh, Justin Jefferson to the Eagles. I like that. I think that uh you know Matt Waldman we get into a little bit. He's a good blocker. He is a fighter. He is just gonna be a solid receiver. He's, He's just pro you know, ready, just,
2: which is big for me with the Eagles. Like they need a guy that's just gonna get in there and catch fucking balls and just be a dog, which he is.
0: Exactly. Um Voz goes Zach Bond to the Pats. That would make a lot of sense because they are both without Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins. And Bond is right up that alley. The thing about that, I like the pick, and it makes a lot of sense, but it feels like they like getting those guys in like the sixth round as like a bragging point. Of course. Uh, just classic Belichick. Then you did Kenneth Murray. Pairing him with Demario Davis is sick. That would be awesome.
2: Feels like they've got the players around him, too. We mentioned that as a concern. They have some guys up front. They have some guys in the back. It feels like it could be a nice fit, and the Saints just love to they just love to like put on a show. It's like, yeah, we're gonna take like the speedy like Big
0: Twelve linebacker that like makes all these highlight plays. He would look amazing in their black uniforms. Yep, He would look sick in the Superdome. And their roster is stacked. The Saints are stacked. Um, I think Mike Renner from PFF was just kind of like listing every single starter, and they have like seven guys with elite grades, six guys with very good grades. Like their whole roster is awesome all the way through Jalen Rager, I think can replace Stephon Diggs Well in Minnesota, then we go through Christian Fulton by you. Christian Fulton is the best zone cornerback in this draft class. And they like you to e that cover three. e. So there you go.
2: And then we had you picking Cesar Ruiz for the Ravens at 28.
0: He is 20 years old. He has started about two and a half seasons. He can play Gardner center and I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it um, put some competition there in camp. And I mean, just the way the board plays out, you know, if I, if I'm not getting a top receiver or some ridiculous, you know, defensive player that falls and Ruiz is on the board, I'm going to go that way every time.
2: Yep. Then moving up, we had a couple of wide receivers go 30 to the Packers. I picked Michael Pittman and then you grabbed uh, Denzel Mims. This is why he's hot, uh, for San Francisco at 31.
0: If the Ravens draft Denzel Mims, um, we're going to pump. This is why I'm hot. That might be, like, our intro. That'll be probably our intro song post-NFL draft. Yeah, we got to
2: find out what Mims is doing, like, if he's going to allow us to do that. Uh,
0: you think he's doing a lot, Mims? No, dude. I don't think so. We'll be blasting. Wonder, I'll play it in the background, so we're wonder, not Yeah,
2: I wonder I wonder where Mims is right now.
0: Where in the world is Mims? Uh, it's Carmen Diego? Vaz takes Patrick Queen, puts him on the Chiefs. That pisses me off, because I don't like the Chiefs, and that's a good fit, so... If the Chiefs pick makes me mad, good job. Then Vaz uh, Queen would be spectacular for them to kind of run around alongside Tyron Matthew in the middle of the field. There, uh, that would be fun, fun, fun. Trayvon Diggs, another zone corner. Um, you had you noted there that Mackenzie Alexander doesn't complete the cornerback group, but the Bengals do a good job with DBs. They always they do, have yeah. consistently, you know, pretty good corners. They have a decent safety situation with Sean Williams um, and Jesse Bate. You bait his name's escaping yeah jesse bates wait for us. jesse jesse bates on the back end there uh so i like that one a lot moving on so we had the lions uh you took okuda at three and then vaz takes antoine winfield jr at 235 with the 35th pick that is an awesome secondary to replace Diggs and slay and i think that would be great for them
2: yeah definitely um really helps out patricia there um uh, moving on we had tyler beatis going at center for the giants at 36 i thought he'd be a nice little pairing next to will hernandez they very dave gettleman pick uh another offensive lineman and josh jones to the chargers and then Voss goes jordan love quarterback for the panthers at 38 overall
0: don't like that one sorry boz don't like that one um i like i like teddy teddy gloves teddy two gloves
2: and it's also like he's probably going to be similar athletically to cam newton so it's like maybe you could have just kept cam newton but uh regardless it didn't actually happen yet uh but moving on another wide receiver in brandon Ayuk going to miami so at this
0: point we've had the dolphins take what epinesa josh herbert
2: justin herbert
0: yes justin herbert pardon me and then what was the other one it's Uh, 26 xavier Xavier McKinney. mckinney yep so those are some damn good picks for the Dolphins. They have so much dra- It's always fun to look back and see who you take if you're mocking with the Dolphins. They have so much draft capital. Ayuk would be awesome to pair with Devonte Parker. Matt Waldman kind of talks about how he might be a better secondary receiver, but I don't know. There's some varying opinions. I was listening to Steve Smith Senior, and he is like on Brandon Ayuk. He thinks he's going to be a superstar. He
2: always gets uh, his guys. He was big on Cooper Cup a couple years ago as well.
0: I like his evaluation of talent and the guys that he really respected and spoke highly of when he was playing were always very fucking talented players. Um, so I think he's a a sneaky good evaluator of talent while he might kind of be like the classic NFL player who says things that don't actually make sense. Sometimes in his analysis, I, I like his evaluating skills. Um, then one that I think is just funny. I put Bill O'Brien getting LaVisca Chenault and it's cause like w- why not at this point? You know, they bring in Cobb and Cooks. And they have Will Fuller and Kenny Stills and Kiki Qt and all that crap. So throw another one in there. If you take enough, you know, shots, you'll make one to replace Hopkins. Um thought that was a funny one. The Austin Jackson one pisses me off because I hate the Browns. And they now have Isaiah Simmons and Austin Jackson. That is an amazing first two picks for them, uh, in my opinion. Austin Jackson had a really bad 2019. He has this whole kind of great high character story about how he had to go through a bunch of hoops and jump through a bunch of hoops to get his sister a bone marrow transplant. And he said he couldn't even do like a weighted squat until October of that season, and he played the whole time.
2: Mm.
0: Um, So when you go look and see him kind of really lacking as opposed to previous seasons, and then hear that story, you kind of add two and two together. Like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense as to why he had a crappy year. Uh, But yeah, I like that one a lot.
2: Definitely. Moving on, I had Jacksonville picking DeAndre Swift. I think that's the first RB off the board, uh, which I think would be kind of a fun one, uh, a funny Jacksonville thing to, you know, you got your Tim Duncan there in uh, Leonard Fournette, and then you go ahead and maybe get your Tony Parker in DeAndre Swift's. Uh, you had Ezra Cleveland at tackle going to the Bears. Ross Blacklock going to Indy at uh, 44 overall by Voss.
0: I liked that one. Yeah, so we had Blacklock paired him up with the Aturgros Matos at one point. So. Uh, some formidable presence adding to their front, and probably would like to see them address their offensive side. But uh, their their defense was—I don't know—I I, like their defensive unit, and I like Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker and uh, some of the guys they have there. So I thought that was fun. Um, you had Neville Gallimore going to the Tampa Brady's, and I think that's a perfect fit because they saw McCoy leave and haven't really replaced. Um, I would like to see them pick up a DB, which they did not do in the first two rounds. I believe Vaz took Tristan Wirfs originally, and their defensive backs were freaking horrible. Um, so they're going to have to maybe make some moves there. Then we see Jeremy Chin go to the Falcons, so he can kind of slide next to Dion Jones, and uh, Keanu Nealon gives him another guy that's just fast and can tackle. And, and can wearing that, that
2: crimson of the Falcons, the Crimson Chin would be yes. a tremendous nickname Um, KJ Hamler going to the jets right after that. Uh, I like the idea of, you know, getting a weapon for Sam Darnold. Finally, maybe a little redundant with Jamison Crowder, but a really good player in his own right.
0: Yup. Jalen hurts to the Steelers. Um, I don't know, man. Maybe I said, this is what I said. If I'm a Steelers fan and they pass on Jalen hurts, I'm pissed. That is all. That was my reasoning for the Steelers taking Jalen hurts, but they are so bought in as both a fan base and an organization to Ben Roethlisberger right now. It like, (laughs) Like almost makes me upset because I don't really like, I don't know. I don't really hate the Steelers anymore like I used to. And especially like the Browns are way more irritating to me now. And I just, it's going to be a, I just think it's going to be such a train wreck and maybe not this year, but they are going to be a train wreck sometime soon. uh, Putting all their, their gambles into a 30, what, eight year old quarterback coming off of Tommy John, uh, that, Is not going to get to go back through an OTA process, like and all that good stuff. I guess so. Very strange there for me.
2: Yeah, I was, you know, I was a Joe Flacco defender for a while, so I'm not going to get on Steelers fans too much if they want to get behind Roethlisberger a little bit at this point. I do get what you're saying though.
0: But set up for the future, like
2: I agree with you. I just from their perspective, I you know,
0: sure. I I thought Flacco in his final season, starting with the Ravens, was going to have a career year. So I'm I'm with that. I understand that. Uh, Boz goes ahead and takes Robert Hunt who is one of the, I don't want to call him underrated. He's probably, you know, he gets second round buzz. Yeah, by the way,
2: Voss, we wanted to get him on here, but uh, his power's out, so he's currently dealing with that. Um, We just got absolutely pissed on here in the greater greater Baltimore area. Uh, So, yeah, you were out of without power for a little while as well.
0: Yeah, it was wild. There's tornado warning, all kinds of stuff down here. Um, So power was out. But, yeah, so we have the Bears getting a tackle and getting a guard. And maybe seeing, you know, Trubisky improve, Nick Foles, what have you, but but just build a damn line, build the line first. And uh, they, I mean, they, so the Ravens offensive line had, I think it was 14 accepted penalties against them the entire season. And the bears had, I know, I know uh, their left tackle, his name's escaping me crap, but his name escaping me had more individual penalties than that. And then their line as a whole had like 39 accepted penalties or something um so they definitely need to rebuild that line uh moving on t higgins to the eagles who also got justin jefferson so a little bit more slot presence with jefferson who can play on the boundary and then a little bit more outside presence in t higgins and there you go pass catchers for carson wentz let's do it that's awesome um moving on you had a quarrel going to the bills bills really 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 love to coach up Those edge rushers, those linebackers, they have such a good defensive scheme and a lot of playmakers already. I think Aquara is put in a position where he can kind of recover from his injury there, get rotational to some pass rushing stuff. I think that's a really good fit.
2: Yep, definitely. And then you went ahead and picked for the Ravens at 55, giving them Terrell Lewis, outside linebacker from Alabama.
0: Yeah, I think they love Terrell Lewis. I don't know why. Maybe it's more of Ozzie Newsome, uh, but I know that they interviewed him at the senior bowl. There was more buzz. Uh, at the combine friend of the show, Chris Aguilera
2: bit. tweeted out um, that maybe they'd sent him some gear or maybe he had just gotten some some Ravens gear. But yeah, that, that was out there.
0: That too. Yeah. Something of the sort with that. Um, he he's an interesting player. He is like literally sometimes he will just beat someone off the line or will spin on someone. He just looks like Godzilla, like six foot five, as possibly jacked and chiseled as you can be really good strength in his lower body and in his upper body and just bust through the line, and he gets, he's like a rampage, like, I, I can't think of, a, he's like a, a freaking dinosaur in King Kong, the ones that run through the forest and knock all the trees down, uh, but sometimes he's a little too out of control, and you see games like him against Arkansas, uh, a couple other games where he's under control, the same thing kind of goes for Clavon chase on when they play just a step slower, like mentally, when they just, are a little more under control. They end up having crazy production, but just most of the time they're a little too out of control. But what, what I like about Lewis, he stacks against run blockers really well, has really good eyes, good tackler, and he holds a sideline really, really, really well. Um, so getting some more defensive help across that front and yeah.
2: Moving on here, uh, running a little long. I grabbed Van Jefferson for the Ravens at 60th.
0: Van Jefferson, everybody knows, I am a big fan of and will separate. So I love grabbing him there. I think some people will be like, oh, Van Jefferson in the second round. He, th- there's no difference between him and Calvin Ridley as prospects. Literally zero difference between him and Calvin Ridley as prospects. Calvin Ridley goes in the first round. Ravens fans wanted Calvin Ridley. You can get him here. Same player. Exact same player. If so the like
2: injury, if the injuries check out, he is ready to go. Like I mentioned with Justin Jefferson, he's just ready to go in my, in my mind. So. The
0: Jeffersons ready to go. They're moving up, moving on up. Um, so yeah, the Ravens walk out of that with Ruiz and Lewis and Van Jefferson. Uh, some needy picks, but some good ones there. And I think that this is a fun draft going through. It's kind of seeing some of the second round guys uh, we see in the third round guys. We didn't end up taking no Malik Harrison, no Willie Gay. A couple linebackers there. Um, George, I don't Willie Willie Gay did go to the Packers at sixty two. Ah, excuse me, Willie Gay. Yeah, Willie Gay is a uh, sneaky, 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 very good linebacker uh, with some character concerns. We've talked about him till we're blue in the face throughout the duration of this offseason stuff. Uh, but yeah, Malik Harrison's still on the board and a couple other guys. So fun little exercise going through, going through the second round, just getting more familiar with some of these guys, some of these names, and uh, trying to you know get ready for when the Ravens probably pick one or two of these guys that were through there and what will happen so it's exciting stuff as we're getting closer to the draft
2: yep it was a ton of fun maybe we'll do another one or two of those before the draft in a couple of weeks but uh yeah it was great and uh until next time we should just go ahead and throw it over to our matt waldman interview what
0: do you say go for it my friend
2: all right we now welcome on a very special guest one of the uh favorites of this show it's mr matt waldman how you doing tonight man
1: I'm doing great guys. How about yourselves? Doing great, doing great.
2: Yeah, you know, we're we're doing good. It's like we pretty much preface on every show and with every guest we have on, we're doing good all things considered. Uh give us the rundown yeah. on how quarantine is kind of going for you right now.
1: Yeah, um it's crazy because, you know, of course when I do the Rookie Scouting Portfolio publication, I'm kind of in self-isolation anyway from April through or March through April and um, or really even sometimes January through April. And so it's it's like some of that has been not much of a change except that when I go out and has to go to the grocery store, like just before everything was about to get shut down and seeing people um, put things in their carts that looked like that they either – thought that the apocalypse was coming and they were going to die tomorrow. So why not have those five pints of ice cream and, and chocolate cookies and, and not order anything, not put anything substantial in their cart to um, people who, you know, even to like, you know, last week when I went shopping, masked up and everything. And where I live, it you know, it was crazy. Nobody was wearing masks. Nobody was wearing gloves. The employees weren't wearing anything. There were guys who, I mean, older than I am and fatter than I am who were, like, walking around like nothing's going on. And I'm just sitting here thinking, this is, you know, hopefully this changes. And then I go to another store and it's completely the opposite. Everyone's, like, right, every, everyone's geared up, including, like, and then one poor soul. She walks out of the grocery store. Um, manager's office without her mask on and gloves on, she gets yelled at after she took two steps out, like, get back in here and don't ever come out here again without all your gear on, you know? So it's just bizarre. I'm sure you guys have had, it's even more bizarre where you are.
2: Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, it's kind of similar for me because, like, we both can work from home. Spencer already did, so... Not necessarily a huge change on that front, but working from home has honestly been pretty good for me, not having to brave the commute and everything and be able to uh, focus on the podcast a little bit more as well. It's nice. Get great guests like you on, you know, and
1: you're right down by the CDC, right? So you'd think
2: people would be a little more like.
1: Well, you you, you the main person you'd think would be a more a little bit like that would be the governor of our state who lives seven miles away from the CDC, but oh, didn't right. know that and was quoted in Newsweek last week saying that he didn't know that asymptomatic people could spread the virus until last week.
2: <laughs> oh, that's sick. <laughs> that's, it's not funny, but it's, it's it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, you either laugh or you cry. What are you going to do? And so I laugh, but it's like, yeah, that's the, from the CD frickin' C. He's literally seven seven miles away in the governor's mansion and literally didn't know that. And I know for sure he should have known that because – Oh, I don't know. Three weeks prior, I'm reading in the city paper, the main paper, the only real paper that's there in Atlanta, the 42 page um, PowerPoint document that was shared with, um, I believe, from by the CDC with all um, political leaders in the state of Georgia in terms of about the virus and everything you needed to know about it, um, that they knew at that point so that people could make the right decisions. And yeah,
2: (laughs) that's yeah. I mean, that's pretty crazy, but. That's kind of just state by state. You sort of, you know, are evaluating, you know, how these governments are handling it and stuff like that. But we didn't want to get you on to talk about coronavirus. We've been uh, right, pretty, right? pretty open in our stance that we uh, kind of want to use this as an outlet to help people sort of get away from that stuff for a little bit. We wanted to get you on to talk a little NFL draft because you are one of the great gurus, uh, I guess you could say, on Twitter, uh, social media. You got a couple of different websites that uh, you own and write for. And uh, yeah, you're, you're just the man with all that stuff. So based on what you've heard, what are some different ways that players are kind of getting their names out there in this unique draft process? And how, how do you think teams
1: are responding to it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating. I mean, certainly we've seen some pro days at some big places, but most of them are pretty much non-existent. Um, I think you probably have folks who are just, you know, there's probably some sharing of video, you know, what we're seeing, you know, more than anything. And, and if they aren't sharing that, they're pretty, from what I'm getting at, they're probably pretty much lost at this point. They're, they're hoping that their agents can, can send something along or some letters and some letter video, that type of thing from a workout standpoint. Because as um, Jim Nagy said, you know, senior bowl director you know that there are some guys who took their chances this year not to participate in any um pre-draft activities and now there are no pre-draft activities at all because they were going to wait for the you know the team visit they were going to wait for the pro day and neither of those things are going to happen and you know it's a once in a lifetime thing that we have going on here knock on wood that that's all it is so i think that you know these folks have missed the boat but I don't know if I'd necessarily blame them for that because nobody expected for us to be in a pandemic back in, you know, back in early January at this point, or at least those of us who did were, you know, in the military and in in the highest up areas of government and that even they weren't very sure.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I mean, how has your job changed at all in that sense and your process throughout this? What are adaptations that you've made, if any?
1: Well, you know, I'm mainly a film guy who does, you know, with the, right. with the publication that I do, it's mainly about the, you know, as trying to analytically look at film in a manner where you're trying to take that process and make it as objectified as possible. So not much has changed for me. I mean, the only difference is that I don't have a wealth of pro days to look at as as possible ways to update the combine. So a good example of that where it worked out this year, but it it could it could have applied to more players as Quintes Cephas, who I've talked about a lot on different shows, mm-hmm. but he's a he's a Wisconsin wide receiver who ran a four seven one or four seven three forty. And when you looked at his three cone drills, shuttle time and his and his thirty-eight and a half vertical, you realize that he probably should have run faster, especially when you watch the combine and see that he had a bad start. So you take that and go, he also had a year away from football due to a trial where he was acquitted. And you think maybe he didn't get the training. He didn't get the, you know, as I joke, the, the Kaplan version of the, you know, the, the Kaplan pre SAT training version of right. the combine, you know? And so he didn't get that. And so probably after that happened, his agent was like, we need to get you into a speed camp right quick and teach you how to start, teach you how to get out of your, your stance and all of that. The things that don't happen at the NFL level. Cause when you're in a stance and, as a wide receiver, you're not starting like a track stance. Um, and, and it's important that you don't start like that in the NFL, um, or else you're probably going to get knocked down. So he's, um, you know, he, he ran a four, five, six, and that really changed his prospects. But there are going to be a number of players who maybe at the combine, they didn't have quite as good of times and they might've had better ones. Um, so we would have had a chance at that or guys who just didn't go to the combine at all. Um, and they didn't get a chance to really, Show what they were about and impress with you. You know, with the workouts that they have. So, you know, a lot of these undrafted free agent types, a lot of late round guys, they're going to kind of slip between the cracks through the cracks. And if we don't, especially have- because
0: of medicals too.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and then if we don't have football in twenty nineteen in twenty twenty, then we're talking about an NFL draft where it's very possible that you know the the guys who could be i'm not going to say joe burrow one to one comparison but the guys who come out of nowhere like joe burrow sort of did you know who they're not going to get that chance so now we're looking at 2019 tape for 2021 and we're going to be studying guys who may have developed been able to develop a year or their t- development has been stunted a bit or they've developed behind the scenes and we haven't seen their games and that's going to be this, if that happens, twenty twenty one is going to be wild. Yeah, there's so much nuance
2: to it. Uh, side note: really glad that you mentioned that uh, logistical thing with the forty times. Spencer is a big truther on that, so I love that you said that. Um, but
0: AJ Epinesa, Aloha Gilman, both awful, awful starts didn't yep. ha- didn't help them.
2: That start, yeah. man, it'll get you. But in just like a general perspective, I mean, like we're kind of hitting on all the ways that things are different. How? Who are some of the? NFL organizations that you'd be most confident are kind of weathering the storm right now when will come out of this draft as winners there's a lot of talk in Baltimore that it maybe favors them because they have this lush scouting department is that uh, one of the teams you'd look at and uh, who are, who are some of the other ones you think
1: it was absolutely going to be the first one and it was in no way to just compliment you guys in terms of the fan base but you know as a Cleveland Browns fan but as we've talked about a long time but you know, I, I did get my Baltimore Ravens cap this year. I have to say, yeah, I, I saw that a yeah. lot. But uh, but uh, but yeah, the Ravens because they they have always they've had a clue since the Newsome days since they started who they are, what they're about, what they're looking for, and so they're going to be walking in lockstep very well. And I think that they'll adjust just fine. I think the Steelers are another organization that will be pretty good in that regard. They they're they're a team that seems to be good with how they scout, what they know they want, and if they have any tiebreakers or need tiebreakers, I'll go to their owner, but the owner is very judicious about how he goes about um, you know kind of solving these tiebreakers. So I think those are two good teams. I think the 49ers are getting their act together and we've seen that with Lynch and his and his crew and how they built up with Shanahan. So I think that that's a team that's also going to do reasonably well. I think the Vikings will do fine because I I trust what Spielman does in terms of he's not, he's not flashy with what he does, but they're but he makes pretty smart picks They're They're kind of maybe on the more conservative side of things, but you can see that they've been able to contend and perform reasonably well in that regard. And then I think another team that probably will fit that mold. um, I think the Eagles will do reasonably well um, in terms of how they go about um, their draft and, and, you know, in terms of the alignment with their coaching staff and their scouts and their ownership. And I think that those are kind of really the important facts, facets there. And if I were to say another team, I, I would say, well, I would two more. I would say the Chiefs will probably be all right um, in terms of how they they perform. And then I'll say that the Colts, even though Ursay has the reputation that he has as kind of a, <laughs> kind of a kook at some time at some moment. I feel like he's a sneaky
2: good owner though. Like he kind of stays out of the way of the
1: football side of things. Right. That's exactly it. He's going to let them do their thing. And so far Frank Reich and and that, and the the amazing GM Ballard. Yeah. That's, that's going to be a no brainer. So they should be fine.
0: Absolutely. I mean, speaking in the same vein of people who have navigated this kind of, or you expect to navigate this time. Well, Um, what are some maybe schools, training facilities, players that you think have been impressive as far as getting their name and getting their tape out? Any guys that you've picked up on who, I mean, might've fallen under the radar if they weren't proactive or maybe agents, anything of the
1: sort. Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, I'm probably gonna have to take a pass on that one because though, you know, I don't tend to follow agents or, or, um, have agents really kind of follow me on that level. So I'm not really sure who's getting out what and what those teams are, are you know, who they're really working with or who they're getting information from and how, how popular that is. I would say I'm kind of more in the line of just studying the studying the player and, and going from there.
2: Well, that's why we got you on to here. And uh, it's a great transition because we did want to get some analysis out of you. And it feels like at this point that, Joe Burrow, you know, he's penciled in as a Bengal for all intents and purposes. But after that, what scenario would kind of surprise you the most, let's say, within like the top five?
1: Yeah, you know, it would probably surprise me if anybody, if anybody took a back, obviously, I think that would be surprising. Um, I would be surprised if um, I would kind of be surprised if Tua Tagovailoa drops out of the top five, even with the even with the hip injury. I think that there's going to be a team that's going to want him. I think that that's going to be a a fairly good opportunity for him to go there. Um, You know, and I would say, you know, I wouldn't, I'd be a little surprised if, you know, and maybe it's the top five, but I'm thinking top 15, I would be surprised if there aren't at least two receivers picked out of the top 10 to top 15.
0: Yeah. There's a ton of top end talent in the receiver room for sure. What do you expect if you were Washington and, uh, excuse me, if you were the Redskins, what would you do? You go in the Chase Young route, which is pretty much a consensus at this point among media and pundits and what have you, or what do you expect they'll do?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are whispers right now during the line season portion of the draft that maybe they're going to go quarterback and they're not satisfied with Haskins and that, you know, Chase Young may not be on the table, but I think that's. I think Young is going to be the guy. You compare him with Montez Sweat, and just kind of put yourself in a situation where you've got two edge, good edge rushers. You have a veteran and Thomas Davis playing middle linebacker. Um, you know, and if you know that can be helpful to that degree. They have some promise at cornerback. Um, you know, in terms of Fuller, and I think that then you can look at um, you know down the line here. Maybe they look at another quarterback if they want. If, you know, Alex Smith, who knows if he'll ever really be back. You've got Haskins with that last year. I think they're going to give him one more chance. I don't, I don't see how they, you know, I know they have a new coach and maybe they're not completely satisfied. New coaches, maybe not completely satisfied with the idea of Haskins in terms of what Ron Rivera wants. But um, I think this is a type of team that I, I honestly think that when you look at the defense, they need a big. They need a lot of help, and I don't think that. Um, and while I think that Young will will be helpful there, I think that unless they go, unless they go tag I don't think they will. They're probably going to be playing for a quarterback next year, um, and as a result of that, yeah, they're going to go with. They're probably going to go with Chase Young.
2: Yeah, definitely. It would be a surprise if they did anything but. Jace Young at this point at number two, but what's another team? Let's say within the top ten that you think has a chance to surprise people with their pick?
1: Oh, you know, um, I think that I think that there are maybe some teams that it would be surprising to see whether or not they um, whether they try whether they trade down, and I think that that's something that we could probably see. um, You know, looking at let me look at that draft order real quick here. In terms of some of these guys that we uh, that we've got listed, um, in that, yeah, probably probably looking through here, I could see you know maybe the Lions being kind of surprising with what they do. Um, I could see them maybe going after you know the. You look at this team and they may go after a receiver, and and the and everyone hates the fact. In Detroit, the idea of them going after a first-round receiver again after the Matt Millen era, that still rubs people wrong. I could see that happening. I could see the Giants trading down maybe a little bit, um, you know, and, you know, that would be a scenario where that would be kind of interesting. Um, the Dolph, you know, maybe even the Chargers, I could see maybe how the Chargers, I think the Chargers will go quarterback. I don't think that's going to be surprising. Um you know, maybe the maybe the Jaguars here. You know, that would be interesting if they go if they go quarterback. That would be kind of surprising because Minshew. I think while some people don't like what Minshew's, you know, they look at the stats and think about Minshew maybe not being the guy. I think he actually has a chance to develop into something. So I'm, yeah. I'm in the
0: same boat. I believe Minshew is the guy at least for a year to see if he. Can grow and continue being, you know, a very technically sound, poised pocket passer.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I don't think they're, I don't think they would trade for a quarterback. But if there's a team that would surprise me doing that, I could see Jaguars doing that um, after they got rid of Foles and and kind of going from there. I think whatever the Bears do will be surprising, just because after seeing what Ryan Pace has done with that organization in terms of his picks and his free agent signings, adding Foles, who. Really, I mean, the Jaguars were lucky to get out of that deal. And then adding Jimmy Graham, who just seems like he's at the end of the road and for the month that they spent, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they do something that is a head-scratcher.
0: Right, and then, I mean, going into the quarterback talk and you've been – crunching a lot of uh, film on the quarterbacks. We always really respect your opinion there. It seems like the over-under for quarterbacks maybe going in the top 20 is like three and a half. Where do you see, how many quarterbacks do you see in that maybe top 20 range or just that first round range when you're looking at what teams you believe need a quarterback and then quarterbacks that you believe are worth that value in this draft?
1: Yeah, the optimistic side of me would be a lower number, meaning that probably the Bengals and the Dolphins and the Chargers Will be the three teams that go after a quarterback, and we'll see. You know, obviously Burrow to a, and probably Justin Herbert as probably the as probably the third guy. But then I could see a team, you know, some teams deciding that they want Jordan Love or Jacob Eason, and going for one of those guys maybe a little bit later in the first round and we wind up with it the pessimistic side of me is that we wind up with five guys going off the board um I don't think either of those guys I think that I think that um Herbert is a reasonable pick I don't you know in the first round and I understand why he'd be picked he's kind of a Carson Wentz type to me in terms of you need a certain scheme around him so you can limit the types of drops that he makes so that he doesn't set up in an inaccurate fashion. Cause when he sets up with his feet a little too wide, he he sprays the ball all over the field. But if you give limit the the drop lengths that he has and let him get rid of the ball quick, he can do a lot of what Carson Wentz does. And then if you allow him to move around and avoid pressure and then just throw the ball over the defense's head, right. he can do some of that too. He's just I don't think he's as skilled as Wentz, but I think he's in that in that neighborhood.
0: Um, Like stylistically,
1: stylistically, yes. And then when you look at a guy like Love, I just don't get Jordan Love. I just, I just don't. I don't think he's, I don't think he makes the decisions. You know, I think.
0: What if if his tape from 2018 and 2019 were flipped? Would that sway you a little bit
1: at all, or no? No, because he still threw passes that should have been interceptions. He still made the same decisions. Yeah,
0: Um, big argument I've heard on Jordan Love is if you flip the tape and and look at it that way. But I still see the turnover-worthy plays. That are just bonehead wrong reads into easy coverages.
1: Yeah, he's he is. He's to me it's to me it's an insult to Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Patrick Mahomes that that there are going to be some teams out there that think, well, the scheme made those three players, so we can make, you know, Jordan love too. When it's really about, you know, we know Lamar Jackson's just an absolute anchor in the pocket in terms of what he can do. He reads the middle of the field extremely well. He always did that. He always did that. Those things didn't. Those didn't. Things didn't develop in him. What developed in him was more knowledge of scheme, more knowledge of game plan, and an offense that was able to work to his strengths. But it, it it didn't. It didn't take away or improve his weaknesses. Like, you know, and it's the same thing with Watson and Mahomes. Those guys were good. They had good pocket presence. They understood how to read the field, and they could act, you know, intelligently in terms of what to do. And I don't think that teams think that they think that there's some teams you hear people say things like, well, the scheme is why Lamar Jackson was so good. If he didn't have that scheme, he he wouldn't be a good player as opposed to he might not have been an MVP candidate in a different scheme, you know, right away, but he'd still be a good player. Um, right. And I, you know, and I think that that's where I think teams are going to get a little arrogant and they're going to take they're going to take love and they're going to say he's. He's like Patrick Mahomes, and i and I just say get that mess out of the lane. Where do you net out on like Jake
2: Fromm and Jalen Hurts, for example?
1: I'd like both of those guys. I think they're both underrated. I'd rather yeah. have Jay I'd, yeah, I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than, than Jordan Love. I mean, just be, he's kind of like the David Garrard as the, the downside, kind of the, the, the floor expectation and kind of a, Mid, you know, kind of middle class Donovan McNabb. If things really go right for him and he really blows it out of the park in terms of his development, he's just, you know, he's a he invests a little too much in plays like Jordan Love does because he's a he's very athletic, but he also reads the field reasonably well. And you see moments where he he doesn't make the boneheaded mistakes repeatedly, like back to back to back in games, whereas maybe he'll. He'll test his limits, but when it gets to a point where it's a pivotal situation, he knows when to be a little bit more mature.
0: Situational awareness is definitely a huge strong suit for Hertz.
1: Exactly, and he's a mature leader. I mean, geez, to be able to to go against Georgia in the first half and 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 Nick Saban basically say, you know what, you're not our guy because we have a better matchup here, and I'm going to pull like the gutsiest move of the century and put in you know two Tagovailoa as a freshman and win that game, and you still and you're, cheerle- you're cheering him on the next year from the bench, and then you don't let that mess with you, and you go to Oklahoma and you put up the numbers he did and, the t- and show the tape that he did. I think this guy I think this guy's going to have a long NFL career. And with From, you know, my buddy Mark Schofield, who writes with me at the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, when he saw my rankings, he was like, that stunned me. And I was like, What's, what stunned you? Because you thought I'd have him like everyone else, like rank 7th or 8th? He goes, yeah, I've got him 7th. And he's like, and what stunned me is, Matt, you usually go for like the Brett Favre types, the kind of, you know, big armed, you know, guys who move around a lot. And I say, yeah, but I've, I've also kind of have a little corner in my in my repertoire for guys who may not have super strong arms, but are mobile or who can really throw the ball off platform and kind of move around um, and who are smart players. I mean, I like guys like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and. And until and the fault, Bruce Gregkowski, way back in the day, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know, there uh, were a look, few
0: people on that train, so it's okay.
1: Yeah, it's all right. Hey, man, I still liked him, but it's like you look at a guy like um, you look at a guy like Fromm, and I don't think his arm's as bad as people suspect. I think he's actually, you know, one of the things that I completely
0: um, agree there. He, he's it, it's gotten blown out of proportion. It's one of those you know Twitter draft trends and ripping on Fromm's arm has gotten a little bit gone a little bit too far.
1: Yeah, and here's the reason why that's kind of interesting about that because when I started charting him, I was thinking he can't. He he, I see some velocity in his throws and and certain throws, and then there's certain throws that it it looks like there's velocity there, but it's late. And as we know, a late throw usually lacks velocity. But right. there was something off. So you know, I started looking around for interviews, started looking for content about arm's talent, and one of the things that I saw was. Um, J.T.L. Sullivan's QB school, which is just a great, great, great resource. I mean, if you're Love not it. following him, yeah, yep. he's fantastic, you know, former NFL quarterback. And he did two things on Jake Fromm. And one of the things that he brought up was James Coley, the former offensive coordinator who was relieved of his duties this year, um, has that he believes, he said, you know, he can't say for sure, but it's reasonable to to, to expect that James Coley implemented five-step drops on routes to the perimeter that really only deserve three stop drop three step drops or less, depending on the type of play. Like in the NFL, a lot of the drops that Fromm would have made for some of these perimeter routes, same you know same side of the field, opposite side of the field, would have been anywhere between one to three steps instead of five steps or three to five steps. And he's got and touch
0: on those quick on those quick drops.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when you look at all that, of course he's going to be late. So and you know Chris Sims who does Roto World, he he you know. One thing you can say about Chris Sims for sure is that as a quarterback and growing up with, you know, with, you know, his dad, Phil, he's caught a lot of quarterbacks over his career. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the first things he said when he interviewed Jake Fromm was, you know, you you have better arm than I expected. All I heard about was your arm that you didn't have the strongest arm, but you have arm strength. Like I, I know what arm strength feels like. I've caught tons of people. If there's one thing I understand, I know what that feels like when I catch a football and, you know, from one of the things that from mentioned is he was a baseball player, so he he used all arm and he said it, he's realized now that he's, he's not going to get away with that anymore. He's got to incorporate his legs better. He's looking at Drew Brees and studying his game a ton. Now he's trying to loosen up his upper body to get a more whip like motion. So, you know, when you put that into the equation within a year or two, his arm's going to be just fine as a, as an issue. If it isn't already just fine now, I mean, he throws for depth. Just as good as um, Matt Ryan does right now, um, you know, in terms of a deep, deep throws that have air under it. He can complete forty-five to fifty-five yard passes on on routes where he can just throw the ball up and let the receiver run under it in stride. And he has some really beautiful dime-like throws, r- rolling to the right or to the left. And and he is a decent reader of defenses. He's you know, there's some there's he's some gonna wow teams on the chalkboard he for was sure. just
2: he was around yeah. for too long. You know, Spencer, you mentioned that yeah. Jordan Love thing where if you flip the seasons, maybe it looks more positive for him. Fromm was like supposed to be a slam dunk number one overall pick after his true freshman year, and then you know, he kind of gets off the rails a little bit. So he he was a victim of his yeah. own success and getting there a little bit early.
1: Probably so. And and I think that was always gonna catch up to him just because he wasn't a you know, he doesn't play in an offense that has future all-stars at wide receiver and tight end. In terms of you know, for the NFL, they have one guy now that's going to be an absolute stud. Who he last with year as they a had freshman. Nicole
0: Hardman, who wasn't you know an advanced receiver prospect oh. at the time.
1: But the kid, the kid Pickens that they have, oh yeah, mm-hmm. is a you know he's a he's an NFL body right now. He just hasn't figured out how to be in an nfl caliber receiver just yet but he's a freshman and you know when you're working with a freshman and you're and you've had kind of the turnover he did at wide receiver you're going to take some chances sometimes with guys or there's going to be some you know issues with communication with the routes because the young guys just aren't on the same page That and makes you a that happened. yeah
0: yeah and then transitioning over to wide receiver as my dog goes a little bit crazy outside um, he wants to
2: give some takes right. man
0: yeah, he's he's getting those hot takes in. But Matt, I mean, talking about wide receivers, who do you have first round grades on when you look at this class? And then considering the depth, how many guys do you think end up going in the first round and are worth that investment?
1: I think four are probably going to go in the first round, and I wouldn't be surprised if really five are worth that investment. Um, you know, I think C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, um, Henry Ruggs are obvious. I think Justin Jefferson deserves to be in the first round, and I think. That Denzel Mims might get a shot being in the first round and I think he deserves it um, So I, I think there are five guys that could get it and I wouldn't be surprised if a team trades up at the end of the You know in the, from the second round into the first round to get a guy like Mims or get a guy like Justin Jefferson um, Those are the players that I think have those grades can make an impact from day one as um, every down receivers
2: Yeah, that's awesome and um I guess switching over to the defense, what is the highest that a player like Isaiah Simmons could get taken and the absolute lowest that he could go, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, and it is quite a spread when you think about what's going on there. I think that for Simmons, you know, he could go as high as four to the, you know, maybe. And and why do I keep thinking I'm looking at something wrong here with the Giants? Giants have the fourth still, don't they? Yeah. Or did they give that up? They okay. Then, yeah, the Giants still might have a shot at – maybe taking him fourth overall, Um, you could possibly see that. Though I think the likely spread is probably the Carolina Panthers looking at Simmons at number seven as being a high-end possibility. And then I think probably we're looking at somewhere around, you know, 14 to 16 as being the lowest part that he goes. It just depends. You know, you have the worry about is he a player without a position, but I think most teams are going to feel like, they can do some good work with him in terms of making him, you know, whether they want to use him as a hybrid safety or they want to use him more as an outside linebacker.
0: It's always interesting to me how that narrative can kind of go on a player-to-player basis as he is a positionless player or like a weapon or a matchup player versus this guy's a tweener without a position. Um, And I believe that just comes down to quality of play at multiple positions. But definitely I agree. I think a sneaky good fit for Isaiah Simmons would be the Browns at 10 if he falls that far. Um, but where do you have, I mean, the, the two kind of consensus guys in the media inside linebacker, I don't personally agree, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily pin these guys at one and two after digging into the tape, but where do you shake out with Kenneth Murray versus Patrick Queen, and do you expect both of them to go in the first round or something else?
1: Yeah, I mean, I could see, I think Queen's going to go in the first round. Um, Murray, I could see where it might, he might dip a little bit, but, you know, the thing would with them is that I think you get more, you have more of an athlete, I think with queen with Murray's a guy that um, I see him as a, you know, he's got good sideline to sideline pursuit. I don't know if it's necessarily great. Um, He can be a little step hesitant with his diagnosis between the tackles. um, And that comes as a trait with also being patient. So the upside that he is kind of a patient guy, um, he has a feel for routes working behind him as he drops into passing lanes. So it's interesting because I think Murray might be the more polished player um, in terms of all-around skills, but I think that McQueen is the guy who's got the more athletic upside and who maybe not be as tested with, say, some of the zone drops and some of the some of the work that he does. I mean, he's he's a guy that's I think the you know the speed, acceleration, and fluid feet. He closes really fast. Um, and I think he cuts off passing lanes as a zone defender, but you don't see him much as a man coverage guy, whereas I think that, you know, that's something that they might want to see a little bit more of. Um, But I think that, you know, overall, Queen's probably going to get taken first. Murray would probably be taken after that. I think Murray's probably more closely to being a late first round, early second round guy.
2: Yeah, and we ask that because they're two players that are mocked to the Ravens uh, a ton, Really heavily linked with them, um, and you know we're a Ravens podcast, and you're a closeted uh, Ravens fan. So, what That's do you right. expect them to do in the first round? And what would you do if you were them? So, kind of a two pronger
1: there. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at I think you look at them, and I and I understand how linebacker would be a good fit, and um, you know it does come down to those because I don't blame them if they look at Queen and feel like he's a guy who can grow into being a really good player. Um, because he has a good feel for avoiding blockers trying to reach to him. And I think that, you know, but at the same time, when you look at the, the Ravens line, they seem to be kind of line that it's not going to be as big of a deal to have to avoid guys, especially if you got a guy like Campbell, you know, still the, the venerable Campbell right now, you know, maybe out there doing that. But again, Queens more of a guy who is that aspiring Ray Lewis type of style of player whereas i think murray's kind of more of a guy who you know when i watch him i guess i you know i think of him a little bit more on the level of um you know of a steelers type of player you know an inside linebacker like an a gap blitzer um you know who can run well to the flats if you need him to on wide routes and swing passes um you know he's a he's a he's a more technically sound player um and he has some pop when he has to attack center or guard as a gap filler for his teammates to fill and finish. But I just see him as a guy that maybe he's a little hesitant with his diagnosis between the tackles. Um do you see and, him maybe
0: more in like a SAM role?
1: Yes. If if he's in if he's in like a if he's in a four three, I could see that as more of an issue. If he's in but in a three four I could see him more as a as an inside guy.
0: Absolutely. I mean Moving on with the Ravens, they're still very much trying to build around Lamar Jackson. What's the best way that they can utilize the second and third day of this draft to really help Lamar Jackson and make sure that they're continuing to aid him and allow him to grow?
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's it's interesting They they probably, I mean, one thing that you'd like to probably do on the third day or the late second, I'd probably say the third day, is we'll start that way and work backwards. You know, I think another tight end. I mean, I just think that you know you got rid of you got rid of Hurst, and you have you, right. you have Mark Andrews, and he's fine. But getting another player who can help out in terms of the blocking and keeping that versatility there—a guy like Thaddeus Moss would be really nice there in the, on day three because he's he's a good he's a very good blocker from a wingback position, and he has terrific hands. He's just not fast, so you can kind of put him in scenarios like Nick Boyle, and you can kind of have that overlap there where he can kind of give you maybe a plus version of what Boyle has given you and maybe have that kind of redundancy in place. Um, A running back, you know, certainly with, you know, with Mark Ingram still kind of getting up there in age, you have Justice Hill, you have Gus Edwards, but you know, a guy like AJ Dillon would be a lot of fun in that offense. Um, And a guy who could eventually succeed um, Mark Ingram and be that every down threat or, or, a two-down threat at the very least, and give you that that guy who's proven to carry a load, um, hasn't had major injuries, has the size and the punishing skill as a runner, and he would complement what Hill Justice Hill does. So you can kind of have a role for both of those guys. Um, So I like that. And then from a wide receiver standpoint, I think that you know you have Boykin and you have Marquise Brown, and 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 certainly those guys I think can continue to develop. Um, but you can probably look for some guys who can give you also some Sturdiness in the middle of the field. I've talked about Cephas. I like him He could be a, an Anquan Bolden type of player. Jawan Jennings Is an interesting player out of Tennessee, maybe in day three um, He has to work on his hand position a little bit, but he's He's not super fast, but he's a guy that breaks a lot of tackles Excellent blocker, which is really good for what the Ravens like to do. He, he's been a lead blocker at Tennessee and handled linebackers and done it extremely well, like technically sound um, really exciting stuff to see him do that. And he's a tough player in terms of catching the ball and taking contact. So I think that he's a player that could kind of give you some upside there. And then maybe earlier on, if you're looking for, you know, a player, you know, that maybe you can get a little more out of, if you're going to really take a chance and I don't think the Ravens will do this, but if they pick LaVisca Chanel, that would be kind of the team that I would I would laugh and go. They've known all along that the whole injury issues that they're worried about, that people are worried about with Shana are just not something they go crazy over. Terrific athlete, someone who they could probably use a little bit in the run game if they wanted to um, so that they can do more, you know, continue to make that scheme hard to predict. But he's also uh, you know, a really promising receiver. I love his I love what he does mechanically with the routes that he does run and I think that he's only going to get better and run a complete route tree um, down the line, and he's a guy who can go up and win the ball. So, And you get that those skills after the catch, and to have three players who can give you skills after the catch would be pretty nice. So, you know, those are some options I'm thinking about. This draft and feels... Up, go ahead. And the, the last one is, I mean, Marshall Yonda retiring. Yep. Huge. I mean, huge void. Huge. So... You know, obviously, I think early day two, they're going to start looking for, yep. you know, they're looking for a guard there. So I would think that who, do you, who you know, do you like in this guard class? I like this. You know, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I like the left guard out of um, Georgia, the Kinley, um, Solomon Kinley, Solomon Kinley. I think he's an absolute magnet in the second level. Great um, combo blocker. Yes. Yes. And I think that, you know, I think he shows promise as a pass protector. I think he's only going to get better in that regard. But so big, so nimble. Um, I would love to see him on a team like that because he can road grade, um, and I think that you you want that. That's what you need in this offense.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, kind of that's a good transition. Um, talking second rounders, talking about needs within the offense. Looking at both of these schemes with uh, Roman and Martindale. What are some non first rounders? Let's maybe go one on each side of the ball that you think could start within these schemes from day one.
1: Oh boy, you know, that's a good question coming through there. Um looking at the Ravens and what they or have Or maybe
0: maybe they would just be maximized in the Ravens schemes.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um I listen, yeah, I know that it's I know that Earl Thomas is more of a free safety, but he's getting up there. Right. And and I think this guy's going to come at a relative discount because everyone seems to be overrating, saying he's overrated right now. Tell me but, it's Delpit. Yes. Delpit like, is a
0: perfect fit behind Earl Thomas.
1: Yes. How do you not take this guy? Like, this is Grant Delpit's my favorite player in the draft. Like, Ooh. I, you know, I don't, regardless of position, I know that everybody's like, oh, his production wasn't great. Oh, he got beat here and there. And oh, it wasn't. Another, a great
2: year another like top five guy that just for whatever reason has fallen
1: is in that category too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Give me, give me, give me Grant Delpit, and I'll be happy. I mean, that guy, that guy is so instinctive. He's so fluid and athletic. The things that he can do, you cannot teach. And he plays all over the field. You want, you want a Charles Woodson like player. This is the Charles Woodson like player you're going to get. And there's not going to be another one that comes around probably. For another, you know, eight to 10 years. Oh yeah, sure. His his
0: range is special. It reminds me a a little bit. Eric Berry was a way bigger hitter, but the range that he, yes, of course, the range that he had in college and the instincts and seeing him lining up coverage, identifying trips, moving around in different formations and, and communicating, and then pairing that with the range and instincts and ball skills that he has it doesn't happen at safety very often. It's, it, it's a really special skill and Delpit is one of the few guys in the last couple of years that has that I'm absolutely on board and on the same page with you there. Yeah. Awesome. And then moving on from a macro perspective, how confident are you? I mean, I just wrote a little goofy article, uh, about kind of the, the underrated insanity of this quote unquote work from home NFL draft that we're about to have, but from a general point of view, how confident are you that this draft goes on without a hitch or a hiccup, like a major hiccup of some sort?
1: I think it'll work out. Okay. And I, I know that there's things being reported about how a lot of scouts and a lot of owners are like, or a lot of people in the front offices are reporting about how I think it was Albert Breer at SI reporting this recently that, you know, scouts have always said that a lot of their stuff doesn't work. A lot of their tools don't work at home because their cable connection isn't as strong or their online connection isn't as strong. And they had to go somewhere else to be able to perform the tasks that they needed to do when they were back at home. They had to go to a coffee shop or something like that. But I think that it's going to be different for the NFL and the, and the war rooms. I think what you're going to see with their virtual war room or whatever they do is um, they're, the NFL is going to absolutely make sure that everything's tested out. I think they've had enough time even now to kind of test out these things and see, you know, who's going to, you know, whose connections are going to be there. And there's invariably, there's going to be invariably somewhere between three to five teams that probably aren't ready because they didn't, they didn't go about it the way that the rest of the teams do. And because of that, we're going to see, we're going to see this as a clown show when, somebody when something drops off or there's or somebody loses a pick or skips a pick there's going to um, be
0: some horror stories and i can't wait for I it i just yeah. love the yeah.
1: idea
2: that harbaugh is just so paranoid he's like the goofy dad worried about like somebody hacking into like his info or something which maybe that's a legit concern but it's just such a john harbaugh like quirky thing i i love it
1: yeah and john's and to me john's more straight laced than his brother so it's like right he's like yeah he's like the <laughs> You know, it's like, it's like, what is it, the, the Game of Thrones where they say, you know, the Targaryens, you flip a coin, you know, and one's crazy and the other one's okay. Yeah, that's a great comparison. I think you guys got the one who's okay, you know, so. It would seem that way. That's funny that he's a little quirky.
2: Yeah, for sure. A um, little rapid fire here. Who would you say are some of, quote, unquote, your guys on film oh, in this draft? Oh,
1: yeah. Um, guys that are, my, you know, Tagavailoa. he's a my guy type of player. Um, I like what he can do in terms of creating Denzel Mims is a, my guy in terms of just how he can go up and win the football, how good he is off against press coverage. He's gotten better and better in that regard. Um, certainly Quintez Cephas. I've talked about at length why he's my guy just said he was the best receiver he faced. Yep. And so did his teammate on the other side Our when man. they asked them separately. Yeah. They both said that he's a, I think this guy is going to be the steel of the wide receiver class. I just, I I really love his game. He tracks the ball so incredibly he well. He
0: stacks really well too, and that's why his 40 time was kind of funny because he'll he'll get, he'll seal you and you're not getting around him again. You can't stay on his hip.
1: No, you can't. And then and then you try to like move him off his line. Good luck with that. You're just going to you're going to end up hurting yourself trying to jostle him. <laughs> I mean, he's he's made out of cast iron. That's what I love him I'm Justin Jefferson's a my guy type of player. Smart, intuitive, can play both slot and flanker, give you a little split end if you need as well. I think he's more dynamic than many people think because they he kind of reminds me, like if you took Keenan Allen and DJ Chark and then maybe put them together but then dropped them down just half a notch, just a half a notch below what they both do great, and you have Justin Jefferson to me. Like he's a, he's like a more upside version of Robert Woods almost.
0: That's my comparison. He is a perfect fit in the Rams' offense because of that. To succeed for him, especially because of the inline stuff, and he is a street fighter as a blocker. I love watching. Oh. Him.
1: Yeah, he yeah he's
0: absolutely awesome on that level. But who else? You know, he got here are some of these other red star guys.
1: Yeah, some other guys that are just guys that I that are my guys. Joshua Kelly, the running back out of UCLA. I think he's a smart football player who understands how to work through um, dense boxes, and he's a very good receiver. I think he's going to surprise. Um, a guy like um, who was the other one that I was going to mention. I love J.K. Dobbins, but I think he's you know he's too high to really put him as a my guy because I think he's everybody's guy well enough in the top 3 to 5 depending on where you where you rank him. No, that's um, fine man. If you got okay. it, I, I love it. I love the high guys too. Okay. Well, Dobbin's, you know, I think uh, you know, the guy that he reminds me of most is Ray Rice. I mean like and I loved Ray Rice coming out of school. Um when Greg Cosell Kosci- and I had a conversation from my side years ago, we talked about him. It was Ray Rice's first year and he was like, I really liked Ray Rice, but um but I wa- I'm not so sure if he's going to be able to be the guy because he doesn't look quick enough to me just yet. But you know, by year two, he was used to the system. He gained a- additional weight and explosiveness and the rest was history in terms of what he did on the field. Um, and I think JK Dobbins is a faster version of what Ray rice does. And he's got good balance. He's, I think he's got excellent feet um, and he catches the ball. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of his, if cam Akers can like learn how to run zone, I would be really thrilled with him. Because he's an unbelievable receiver. Like putting him in the Colts the offense, too. yeah, yeah, the pass pro is just ridiculously nice um, in terms of what he can, what his upside is there. Um, so I really like him. Um, another guy that's a my guy for sure that nobody's talking about and may not even be drafted. Well, two, Jonathan Ward out of Central Michigan. Jonathan Ward is a running back who. Um, is probably he's probably the best receiver in his class I think. I think he's like he goes up and wins the ball in the air, he runs over the middle, he runs some receiver like routes. He has he's he's kind of more of a how would I put it? kind of a a James White, Marion Grice type of right back um but I think that he can hold his own between the tackles. He's a smart runner and I think he runs they said he ran a 449, you know, in workouts, but watching him on tape I was conservatively saying, you know, after he beat a guy who ran four, four, six at the, at his pro day, uh, uh, a safety from Eastern Michigan who ran four, four, nine. And he beat that guy in a, on a play where you could kind of compare well enough to say, well, he at least ran a four, six. Like I'm looking at him going, I bet he runs no worse than four, six. And at best he might run four, four, five or four, 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 five. Um, yeah, four, four, five. But, uh, so he's somewhere probably in that four or five range and that's pretty good. And I think that he has room to grow and then looking at maybe, you know, some tight ends that I would say are our guys that I kind of like, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I like Thaddeus Moss. I really, you know, I'm just a, a fan of him as a player. I think that he's super smart, excellent blocker, um, excellent receiver, just not a big play option. Um, Devon Asiasi out of UCLA is very fluid after the catch, and I think he has promise as a blocker to become an all-around guy. And I think people should just not count out Albert Oakwebunum yet. I was going to ask um, you about
2: him. Him and like Kansas City
1: would be lethal. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a victim of overanalysis, and I might and I might be one of the people perpetuating that crime um, because. I'm 7th on my board, but I have him on a grade where he could probably contribute this year. I think his better route skills than people characterize. People are down on him, you know, in terms of his breaks in and out of his breaks, you know, but I think he can snap his turns pretty well on stop routes, which is enough, especially when you have the speed that he's got. I think he's kind of what people hoped Austin Safarian Jenkins would become, but off the field just couldn't really put it together enough to be the pro that his skills were capable of being. But I think Okwabunum is a guy that we really should be keeping an eye on. I think he's a decent blocker who can get better, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if I've underrated him as well as a number of others.
0: Right, and I think that uh, that whole Missouri situation – With You go back and watch Drew Locke back in, what is it, 2017, set the SEC touchdowns record, have a fantastically complex offense that suited their strengths. That's where Alberto really succeeded there. Then you see that offensive coordinator leave, and that offense takes a turn for the worst. And then we see Drew Locke look not so terrible on the Broncos. Um, So I'm with you there. But then who – I mean, we loved having you on to talk about Lamar Jackson because you were the conductor of the Lamar Jackson (laughs) has outstanding pocket ability train, and that was just not the groupthink. That was just not the groupthink that existed. And what we love about you, Matt, is that you do, as you say, go grind the film, develop your own opinions, maybe cross-reference it with the groupthink, and are not afraid to stand out against it. So who in this class, before we let you go, uh, do you think are the guys that maybe have had that analysis paralysis or you don't see or maybe you think there's a misconception about or have been, you know... Uh, put into a box that they don't belong.
1: Yeah, obviously, Fromm is totally noodle-armed and not able to be a starter. Justin Love is being a, a Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson clone. Um, if he's a clone, then he's in that, uh, what's that movie with Michael Keaton where they keep replicating them and they keep getting coming out worse and worse? Oh, my you know? God.
0: I can't think of the name of it off the is top it, of my um, head. Yeah.
2: Total Recall or whatever?
1: Yeah. No. like no. Um, is it The Replicated like Man? A, I feel like that's kind of Multiplicity? A... Multiplicity, Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of the multiplicity version of of those three guys in terms of how the NFL looks at him. Um, I think that people put DeAndre Swift in a box as if he's in every down number one slam dunk um number one back. And I and while I have him in my top five, I think that he's um I think he's more of a D'Angelo Williams type who may never have the every down option unless an injury occurs and they've got to roll with them. AJ Dillon, I think. People put him in a box and say, well, he got hurt to he he," or that he's got too much tread on his tire because of 866 attempts. Even though when you really look all of that, you know, look at to the touch counts of running backs when they have high touch counts and no injuries. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. So that's too. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of grinds my gears a little bit when I see that it's like unless there's a medical we don't know about. You know Adrian Peterson, Steven Jackson, Michael the Burner Turner, um, Ray Rice. Um, you know there's guy. I've counted a number of guys over the past 15 years who've been able to perform well on that level. So guys like that kind of suit me. Anthony McFarlane, I'm not on the same page with people who see him as a sleeper. I think I'm going to be doing a film room with him, uh, on him, with um, some some people in um, the community. Nick Whalen, who is a good. Um, Debbie Guy, who is a, an analyst in, in with the draft. We're going to be studying McFarland. I just don't think the guy makes strong decisions. He's got absolutely great. He had some nice production against big teams, but I think they came on big plays more than they came on him, you know, making a series of consistent plays. He's and got think,
0: some linear speed, but uh, it, it's it's just that.
1: Only, yeah. reas- only reason
2: I'd have a Terps game on in the background, to be fair, these past you couple go.
1: years. Um, you know, I think after that, you know, looking at a you know another guy that may be I think Brandon Ayuk is a guy that people look at as like uh, an early round player and he will probably be drafted in the early rounds, but I don't see him I see him as a guy that if you put him with you know a, if you put him in the chief's offense and let him be surrounded by you know Watkins and and um Hill, yeah, sure, you could probably put him in the slider, let him run double moves and he's going to be able to make big plays and be productive but if you're going to ask him to be the number one or number two in an offense, I think it's going to take him a little bit longer. I think he has the Jerry, no experience against press, no experience whatsoever. I think the Jerry Judy, Antonio Brown comparison is a little off. Um, I, I love Jerry Judy's game. I think he's a very good route runner. Great change of direction skill. Obviously he gets up to a top speed, but it, he has quite a runway that he has to get. Um, to, he needs a, quite a bit of, I've a seen a lot of uh, Odell speed. Beckham
2: comparisons with him.
1: Yeah, and I don't get that either. Like, you know, I Chad see. Johnson
0: is another one.
1: Yeah, maybe Chad Johnson. Cause Chad I, li- Jones, I like
0: that so. one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I just saw that, that one recently. That one's cool. Yeah, I wish I I wish I used that one to be honest with you. I have Reggie Wayne, Torrey Holt as kind of a range of players. Like, Torrey Holt, I like Torrey Holt. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, but yeah, I like the. I still like the one you just mentioned with Chad. Chad John- Johnson is one of those, but he's he's a guy that has to make people miss in order to earn that runway to accelerate because if he just tries to beat you with his acceleration alone it doesn't work and i think he's known that for a while about himself he's a self-aware player he's going to be good but i don't see antonio brown i just don't see that comparison and doesn't have the toughness he
0: doesn't he's not you know he's a wide receiver more than he is a football player um a little bit that's why i like the chad johnson comparison yeah that's the thing that really separates C.D. Lamb for me is that C.D. Lamb loves the sport, loves the contact. And oh, I think yeah. Judy, Judy hears the footsteps a little bit.
1: Yeah, C.D. Lamb to me is kind of like a Santonio San Holmes-like player who I know that at the people look at Holmes and go, he didn't have a great career, but when at the top of his game with the Steelers, when he was playing Steelers football and he was playing the way that he needed to play. He was a physical. He could handle physicality, and he and you could tell that he played the way that you want to play. Um, and then you know, time for a new contract, and maybe it didn't last as long as it should. But there were those glimpses. I think Ceedee Lamb is probably what people hoped Antonio Holmes' career would become if you weren't a Ravens fan.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, that was awesome, Matt. Um, really good stuff there, and throughout the whole interview, you gave us about an hour. So, at uh, risk of holding you, you know, for any longer here, we want to get you out of here, but. We do have to know before you go, what is your draft viewing setup going to be? I have a fun little tradition where I just park in front of the TV with a couple of beers. Do you have
1: any yearly traditions like that? Well, annually, I've been working with Sigmund Bloom over at the Audible at Football Guys, and we've been doing kind of calling the first round together, and we've had a number of guests on, and that may still happen. I'm not sure. Um, And so some things are up in the air for me, but I'm sure I'll be watching the draft, and I'm sure that I will probably be talking about the draft. Um, I just don't know in what capacity just yet, but to me it's, for the past several years, it's just been hanging out with my buddies who uh, who are colleagues of mine now and kind of yucking it up and being kind of goofy on the air and, and going from there. Awesome. Love to hear it.
2: Well, thanks a ton, man. You are absolutely one of the best in the industry. Really appreciate you coming on, granting us your perspective and uh, giving us your time during these uh, these trying times. Thanks a ton, man.
1: Hey, thank you so man. much for having
2: me. Thank you. Absolutely. Stay safe and uh, healthy down there, okay? Okay, I appreciate you guys too. Bye. Take it easy. Bye. All right, thanks
0: a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, God bless. <laughs>
2: I'm not going to